Do you need a glass of wine? Because we both have a glass of wine here. So if you need to pour yourself one. Need a bottle of wine. <laughs> family members, whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you for listening to this episode of Broadcasting in Black and White, brought to you by Bib Media, born in Brooklyn, believe the hype. As always, I am Joe Masiri here, and for those of you who might be new to the program, let me just take a second here to tell you what this is all about. Here at Broadcasting in Black and White, we try and break down the broadcasting industry by talking to people who are pushing the envelope in broadcasting. We talk to actors, reporters, directors, producers, you name it, anybody who is in the broadcasting industry that is trying something new. And our guest today is a little bit unusual in that sense because Melissa Alam is an entrepreneur who is tearing up the entrepreneurial world in Philadelphia and across the country. She, however, specializes in building brands, both for individuals and for companies, and we thought that was really important to hear what she had to say because building brands can be so important for individuals in broadcasting, whether you're an actor or a reporter or anybody whose identity might be tied to their career as they move forward here. So she shares some great advice on networking and finding a community of like-minded people because, well, you never know where that next job is going to come from or who that next job is going to come from. And she also shares her experience with her female entrepreneurial workplace called The Hive and dealing with the media uh, on the other end, being the one getting interviewed, which could be really important throughout your career. And if you're on the other side of the microphone, may give you some insight and thoughts about how you want to ask your questions and what questions you want to ask. We came up with a new tagline for her, which I think we all had fun with and we're really proud of. And overall, we just had a, a pretty good time talking to Melissa. So before we get started, I just want to say that this episode of Broadcasting in Black and White is brought to you by Backpack Broadcasting, streaming live events across the country in sports and news. So if you have a speaking engagement or anything you'd like broadcast live across the internet, well, contact Backpack Broadcasting. Without any further ado, here is our podcast with Melissa Alam. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Well, first of all, thank you so much for making some time to talk to us today. Obviously, I'm Joe. This is our first introduction on the phone talking to each other here, and Kenton is with me as well. So allow us to introduce ourselves. Hey, Melissa. Hey. Obviously, Naeem wanted us to talk to you. He's been couldn't stop talking about all the cool things that you're doing there in Philadelphia uh, and seemingly uh, across the country. You were just in Chicago. Is that right? I'm still here, actually. Oh, you're so, still in Chicago. Yeah. What are you doing yeah. out there? Um, well, I'm actually visiting family, but I'm working for a new um, magazine called Spoonful Magazine. So I'm out here looking for distributors and stockists. Fantastic. And you've got a whole bunch of things going on yourself. So I, I looked, we're, we were checking out your website earlier, and strategic brand development is what it says as your specialty. So, so what is that for somebody who might not be familiar so it's something that I just made up because I like the words together. <laughs> okay. um, That's great. That's great. <laughs> so I have been, I guess, a little backstories. I've been freelancing for three and a half years now. And throughout those three and a half years, I've added multiple services. So I start off making WordPress uh, blogs. And then I do like uh, websites for 
local businesses, entrepreneurs, startups. Um, and then from there, I've added branding, graphic design, uh, photography. So all of that, I figured, encompasses um, what a brand should have to be strategic in their industry. Um, so I just made up the word strategic brand development because that's just encompassed what I, what I did. That sounds awesome. I think a lot of people would be jealous to make up their own job title like that. Was that in the back (laughs) of your mind when that was happening? Yeah. I mean, kind (laughs) of, it worked out. So what was it that allowed you to do that? Uh, obviously you mentioned you starting with blogs and WordPress, either based on your experience, technology, what about the timing allowed you to create this job title for yourself and venture off into that workspace? Yeah. I mean, I, I worked in digital agencies prior to going freelance and I guess I just, I just didn't like the whole nine to five, um, schedule and working for clients. I barely had an effect on. So I just, I wanted more of that one-on-one action with clients. I wanted to work off of my own schedule and be my own boss. So I, I quit and I just started, I got my first client the week that I quit, uh, from a referral and I've been working off of referrals ever since, but it's just something that, you know, if, if you spend enough time learning and educating yourself and really making a presence for yourself online, you can really um, create a brand for yourself, which is what I'm, I'm still working on, but I've thankfully created one um, under my own name for the past few years. But I'm, I'm very grateful for the, you know, being able to call myself my own boss and, you know, having my own business. Was it not nerve wracking for you to quit and start this up on your own? Were you nervous? Were you... No, I mean, there's always there's always money to make out there, just how hungry you are. Um, so when I first quit, I looked on Craigslist and I started hosting at a Thai restaurant. I mean, <laughs> I think nice. you have Thanks. to lose the ego and, you know, humble yourself. Right. So I started working at, at a Thai restaurant um, during the night and during the days. I would go on Skillshare and take classes and just kind of like create my own sites just to test it out and start to create my own aesthetic in terms of design. And then, I mean, I've done random jobs where I've been brand ambassadors handing out flyers just for money. I used to, um, I worked for Keurig for this one gig where I, I worked, I set up a table at Lowe's and, um, gave people free samples of coffee from a Keurig. So it's like, there's always money to be made out there. It's really just how hard you can find, how hard you can work to find it. Right. I remember I was in a position once where I left a job, my first job in North Carolina, and I just wrestled with, okay, I, I know I'm going to work. I know I'm going to find something that will pay me money. Am I okay with it not being in the current career that I'm in if it comes down to that path? So did that thought ever cross your mind? Uh, no. I mean, I've always, I, I knew that I wanted to stay in the creative realm because I knew that I'd be doing myself an injustice if I worked for some corporate you know, financial institution or something that I, where I wouldn't reach my potential. I mean, that's why I went freelance in the first place is so that I could reach my full potential on my own. Um, so that was always a goal is to figure out what I'm good at and to monetize that, um, without rushing it too much. You don't want to force, force something, force a career under yourself. You mentioned something called Skillshare that helped you with that. Can you tell us about what that is and uh, how it helped you? Yeah. So Skillshare is just an online learning platform and there's a ton out there depending on what you'd like to learn. There's a lot of coding academies and schools online if you want to become a coder. Um, but Skillshare is a great resource that I've, I've always loved. Um, I recently just got back into it because I've had some free time, but they've got classes taught by other professionals around the country and they range from anything from branding to product design, to photography skills, to 
how to illustrate using watercolors. It's just like anything and everything. So if you have an hour of your free time, um, spend it with some online classes. So that's that's what I do. That's awesome there. So on top of branding and strategy, I see that one of your passions is photography. Is that where you learn photography? Um, I learned photography just just reading a lot. I mean, Skillshare did help and other... I actually... One of my favorite places to learn things is Pinterest because it's just a curated <laughs> Google search. So I, if I want to look, like recently I looked up, you know, monetization for my website. And it's it's just such a curated place to find other people with blogging about um, the same questions and, uh, you know, answering them. So I use Pinterest a lot to um, learn about photography and whatnot. Uh, my brother's also a professional photographer uh, here in that Chicago. That so yeah, so he's helped me as well. So what was the biggest skill that you sharpened, I guess, or learned using Skillshare? Um, the biggest skill, I mean, I guess probably design. Um, I come from a marketing background, and so I've taught myself graphic design. And I don't consider myself a graphic designer just because I don't, I don't know. I just It's, it's like this weird thing where I don't feel like I'm... Uh, up to par as other graphic designers. It's always like that confidence thing when you're an entrepreneur or freelancer. Right. But I do love learning more about design and I, I actually want to take more classes on it. So, I mean, learning Photoshop probably was the biggest skill that I taught myself through that. As an entrepreneur, do you consider yourself a full-time student as well? Because you constantly have to be learning about all aspects of the business. Oh, 100%. Yep. Yeah. Um, need to. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, you have to. I mean... Things, industries change, trends change. You have to always be up to date, especially if you want to provide your clients with the best service. Constantly, constantly educating yourself is is very important. All right, let's talk about the concept of brand for a second because I think that's kind of a buzzword and I think there's a big difference between individual brands and corporate brands. So let's start with you first. I mean, how did you figure out what your brand was and how you were going to articulate that to your audience and customers? Honestly, I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think <laughs> the, best thing, the best thing you can do is just be yourself because you'll attract the type of audience that you want. I mean, I could be going around wearing Gucci and Louboutins all day, just taking photographs of myself in really pretty locations, but that's not who I am. I mean, I like to dress like a hipster and work like a horse, so. <laughs> I like that. Wait, wait, wait. That should be, that should be your <laughs> brand like motto a there. Hipster, work I like know. a horse. <laughs> That's going to be a great seat. Aren't you glad? It's already valuable talking with us today. So, yeah, I mean, the number one thing is just to be authentic and be yourself. And that's how how you attract people. Um, because it's also like when you meet someone offline, um, you don't want to be so, like a complete stranger uh, and not be relatable at all. You know, that's the worst when you meet someone that you've seen online and idolized or whatever. And then you meet them at an event and they're completely different or they're, they're quiet. Whereas like their Instagram posts are full of content and copy and like, they don't say a word in person. Like you, you have to portray who you are online and offline equally. So that's, that's what I've built up my brand as. That's awesome. Is there, so is this kind of like a, a soul searching thing for you? Is that what you advise people who are maybe trying to figure out what their own brand is? I mean, I think soul searching is something that's never going to stop regardless of how established you are. Um, I think that's more of a personal thing. But in terms of finding out your brand, I mean, it's a lot of uh, trial and error, I'd say, more so. Um, 
figuring out, you know, what do people react to? Uh, what type of posts do they react to? What type of imagery do they react to? And figuring that out. Um, and also kind of being a little strategic with it. Like, what's, do you, should he post at 2 a.m. every night or should he post at, like, noon every day? Like, what's a good time to post? I mean, there's so many things that go into it. And if you can keep up with that um, and be consistent, which is, I guess, the number one thing is to be consistent, then that's how you grow your brand and that's, that's how you grow that following. Awesome. So do you have any crazy or memorable error stories, things that you said, oh, if I could go back, I wouldn't have done that one again? Um, <laughs> I am the type of person, I don't have regrets because I, I make a ton of mistakes. I'm I'm type of person that I will jump off a building just to try it out. I don't know. It's just, I, <laughs> <laughs> just, just for the Instagram post, I'll jump off oh, a building. But, um, do, do you get a lot of likes on it, but you only get those <laughs> once, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My final post. Um, but no, I think it's I, everything I have done in the past, whether it be a business I started or a bad logo design I made for myself. I mean, they were all just like learning baby steps. You know, they're all just learning steps for me to be where I am now. And even the things I'm doing now and the processes where I'm at now, there's they're always going to improve with time. Um, so I don't see anything as anything regretful or any any big mistakes. They were just, you know, they were just transitional moments for me to grow and to keep learning. Awesome. So those, those mistakes are just the next step to getting to where you are yeah, and where you're yeah. going, I guess, too. Yep. So what's the biggest difference then when it comes to building a brand for an individual versus a company? Because you work with companies as well, correct? Yeah. So what's the biggest difference? Um, the biggest difference, I mean, working, I love working with entrepreneurs and people that have startups or, you know, are within one to three years of business because they're so willing to try something new. So there's less red tape when it comes to ideas and just really jumping at an opportunity. So I love working um, with that kind of niche market. Um, When it comes to companies that are uh, more established, I mean, it's just a lot of red tape. Also convincing people that the benefits of social media is hard, especially if it's more of an old school company, an older company. So um, there are some difficulties where you have to really uh, elaborate on the benefits of some, some, some marketing scheme or some social media campaign. Whereas if you're working with like a younger entrepreneur, they're down for it. Um, but the, on the flip side, older companies have more money. So when it comes to budgets, companies have more money versus an individual who is really just starting out. But sometimes throwing money at a problem just causes you to go deeper into a hole that you right. don't want to go down. Doesn't necessarily solve the problem, right? right? Have you had yeah. that experience? Yeah, but it's also, I mean, if you want to work and if you want to work with the best, you also have to pay for the best as well. So there's <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's also, you know, the the notion of trading services, which I've done plenty. I mean, I'm still sometimes doing it here and there. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, paying someone is very important. And that's something that I'm also uh, doing on my end is I'm starting to pay people for their services. Um, I'm not at the point where I can like, you know, just hire someone to uh, work under me and pay them fully hourly. I'm I'm doing a little bit of outsourcing here and there at um, certain cap, um, hourly cap, hour caps. Uh, But yeah, no, it's, it's something I'm still learning to, to really how to hire people, how to pay them um, fairly and, Vice versa, when a company is hiring you, you need to be paid. So, right. yeah, I mean, you can't throw money to fix a problem, but I mean, 
it depends on what the problem is. So yeah. So you talked about trying to convince some of these companies about the benefits of social media. Let, how do you use social media? What do you see as the biggest benefit? And is there a platform that you like more than another? Be it you know Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Pinterest. You mentioned whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, just benefits of social media is just the community. You build you build you build that loyal following. You build people that recognizes your brand from the the type of um, personality you're bringing out on social media. So, I mean, for instance, I just went to San Francisco and there's a bake shop there that's called Mr. Holmes. And they're known for like, you know, they've got great, they've got like these cool, uh, cruffins, I think, or this weird, like cruffins, you said like, like a hybrid, hybrid, uh, item that they made. I I forgot. Like a croissant and a muffin. muffin Yeah. Yeah. They make like hybrid, uh, desserts and stuff. So, but they have like, just their branding itself is amazing. Um, and their social media presence is great. So they've grown like exponentially. Um, and it's just their personality online. So when it comes to social media platforms, I mean, my favorite is Instagram hands down. Mm. Um, but I am starting to love Snapchat and then a new one came out. I'm trying to test it out. Peach came out recently. Haven't even heard of it yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think they just, um, it got some buzz from the CEX conference in Las Vegas this past week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to figure. I mean, there's always something new coming out, but right now I love Snapchat just for personal reasons. What is that? What is it, can you share some of those with us? Oh yeah, so Snapchat is a platform where you can record photo or video. Oh no, no, no we no, know, no, no, no. we know what Snapchat <laughs> is. But we want to know just personal reasons. You <laughs> yes. want to get it under personal. Sorry, I, I worded that awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the definition. Oh, personal reasons. I mean, you get to see the ins and outs of people in your life. I mean. I actually went off Snapchat this past summer for like three months just because I was at a point where I was wasting way too much time on it, both posting and also just watching people's videos. And I also wanted some privacy in my life at the time, but <laughs> I came back on it just because it's fun. You, you get to show the random side of things. Like I, I like Snapchat because it's where the content that you don't carefully curate and put on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, it's all that leftover content is on Snapchat. But I mean, for brands, it gives a great insider look behind the scenes of like photo shoots and um, product design. It's just such a great behind the scenes as if you're kind of there. And I've had some I've had so many friends be like, oh, I saw you were at so and so on your Snapchat. How was that? Like you people get to know you more in a very creepy way. Because they only they only have a a short while to see it. (laughs) So, yeah, it, it erases after like a day. So, yeah. Fun. So oh, and you, another. Go ahead. Oh, another part of Snapchat I love is the uh, the cities that they show. So you can just like click on a random city that they promote, and you can see people Snapchat from that city. So it's a great like, uh, like immersion immersion into another city. So it's you know, Bud- I saw I've been videos from Budapest and London and all this stuff. So it's a really cool way to like That's experience great. the city life of like people there. Opens you up into video. different cultures as well, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you now? Do you use that for for the business side of it as well, or is that just about building your brand and that just kind of lets people get to know you and and who you are and where you're coming from? Um, I I use Snapchat primarily for my personal okay um, my personal bullshit is what I call it. So. <laughs> I love it. So you mentioned you took a break from Instagram. Um, how do you uh, because it was taking too much time? So how do you balance between the business and the social media and then actual, believe it or not, face-to-face personal human interaction. Yeah. I mean, you have to 
figure out your priorities. And for me, it was making money, aka, you know, working with my clients. So I had to get off social media for a little bit. Um, so yeah, just you have to know your where your priori- priorities are. I mean, if I was still using social media for my clients, I do um, some social media management for a few clients. So I was still working on that. But for personal reasons, I mean, it's, it can be a time suck, major time suck. If that's not your, if you're if you're not making money out of it, and that's your like main goal at the moment, then you know chill out on the the posting mm, definitely if you can't monetize it it's tough because you guys still got to eat and afford that phone yeah. plan in order to post <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so then how did this develop for you because you, you know obviously you've got the hive that which is a co-working space and we'll get into that feminine fortune and and your own brand that you're building there so how did what was the order that that developed in and and how did you kind of go down that uh knit niche to basically cater to women entrepreneurs like yourself yeah. Um, so I started my own freelance business first and then I had a blog at the time, um, under my handle, it was ring the And so I just, I was ring the alarm. Ring the, yeah, that's, I love it. Nice. <laughs> um, so that was my blog. And then I was also really heavily involved in the local blogging community. And so I wanted to start a site that was more than just my blog. I wanted to start like an online magazine because it was always like one of my dreams to have a magazine. Yeah. So that's where Femme and Fortune came in. That started in 2013. Um, and I, I co-founded that with a friend of mine. Um, and it's still going strong now. Um, and then The Hive started in the summer of 2014, so a year later, where I just I had the opportunity to... Um, take over my mentor's office space and uh, uh, rent it under her. And I just kind of jumped at the opportunity because I thought it was like a big light bulb at the, you know, I'm on top of my head saying, you know, do this, Melissa. This is like the next big thing for you and you can handle it. And I did. So, you know, every year it's been a new change, but it's, it's been for the better. And I found myself in the niche for female empowerment and helping women is just because I couldn't find a resource in Philadelphia that was, you know, a modern resource for women like myself. So I wanted to be that voice of, you know, catering to millennial women in a really creative way. That's fantastic. All right. There's a lot of questions that I have coming from that story there. So I, I guess let's start with the, uh, the mentor for you, because uh, we've had a bunch of people who we've spoken with that have come on this podcast now and have talked to us about their mentors and how they influence them. How important was that for you? And how did your mentor or menteeship, I guess I should say, come about? Because I think it's hard for a lot of people to figure out how to ask for a mentorship or how it basically comes to be that relationship. Yeah. So how it worked is that I had a business before called Blog Bloom, and it was a um, blogging workshop business. I started with my friend where we would get people to sign up and we'd have on a Saturday for like six hours or it was like 10 to two, four hours. Um, we would make blogs with the attendees and they would leave with a working blog. Um, with a catered lunch, we'd have, we'd have goodie bags. It was just like a fun little experience. And so my mentor, um, who is a CEO of a local branding agency, she reached out to Blogbloom and said, oh, hey, I'm interested in starting a blog, blah, blah, blah. And I freaked out because I knew who she was. I was already in the advertising industry. I knew her um, agency. And so I reached out via email and I said, hey, do you want to meet for coffee around your office? And she did. And we just kind of clicked. Um, and we kept up the relationship by Twitter. I mean, it was really casual at first. And then I went into a meeting with her just to, you know, catch up with her. And I said, you know, I wanted to host a conference for women. And she said the same. She's like, me too. And I was like, do you want to host 
do you want to host? Do you want to go study? Do you want to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> um, Did she give you her Letterman's jacket at that point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still wearing it. Um, but, For those people yeah, who don't know what a Letterman's jacket is, go ask your parents and about pinning a girl in the 1950s and everything. <laughs> then you can understand the need for Melissa's services and, and her niche market too. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's funny because I remember talking to my friends. I'm like, you guys, there's this, you know, woman that she's really cool and she's like where I want to be in five years and I want her to be my mentor. Do I like ask her out? Like, what do I do? It's like, it's like a very awkward situation, but I think she was on the same page and it just kind of like grew organically, um, our friendship. And I mean, over the past year, our friendship has grown exponentially, um, and it's more, I mean, we're just like such good friends now. It's, it's not even about a business to business relationship. It's just like two women that are, that vibe together. We party together. We have hearts to hearts, heart to hearts together. So nice. you want to have, I'm lucky to have my mentor become my friend now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a important aspect of, you know, having your own business or whatnot is to find people that are in situations that you admire, um, or idolize and, you know, reach out to them. And if you guys vibe and if you guys have a connection um, and they're willing to help you, I mean, it's a, it's a two-way street. They need to be want to be your mentor as well. Um, and you just, you know, kind of, it, it's tough. Just organic. It, so if it grows organically, that's great. Otherwise, you want to be able to, you know, be strategic about it and ask them politely and like kind of just ask them at first for like advice or really specific questions. And then if they believe in your mission and what you're doing, they'd want to, they should naturally want to be involved in your life as well. My yeah. best advice. So what was the biggest benefit you got from having a mentor? Um, her being saying yes to me, losing her space for the hive. Mm. So that was like the biggest benefit. Cause I didn't realize how difficult it is to get commercial space. She told me, she's like, Melissa it took me like two, three years to even get that space itself before you. So wow. for me, for me to sign over a paper and get it within a month of my idea wow. is huge. I mean, I had the idea August 1st of 2014 and then I signed the lease September 1st. So yeah, I mean, there was, it was just like, go, go, go only because she was also moving out of the space and, but she believed in me enough to like say, Hey, um, here it is. And she helped me out as well. Um, so much. So yeah, I think her believing in the idea was, was so big. Fantastic. And then, so when it comes to co-working spaces, I mean, that's a thing we're seeing pop up a lot now. Um, there's, you know, a lot of different options here in New York. You guys have WeWork in Philadelphia? Uh, they're coming, I think, this year. Okay, that's that's probably one of the most popular co-working spaces that we've got over here. So what are some of the, first of all, why do you think we're seeing such a growth in popularity of co-working spaces? And what are some of the, what are some of the things that they offer and some of the challenges that it takes to start a co-working space? Um, the overhead is usually much higher than um, expected for a co-working space. Uh, I mean, it's been such a learning lesson for me having this space. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's building a community is number one. If you don't have a community that would want to join your space, then uh, there's no reason for you to open one. You really need to you know, work on getting members keeping them, um, creating member benefits, uh, collaborating with other brands or other spaces, um, and really providing a great member experience. I love the idea of co-working. I think it's great to be involved in a community because working as a freelancer or entrepreneur is very, uh, uh, lonely. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> mm. 
like, how can I say this easier? Uh, it's lonely as shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so working with other people, is, it's not only motivating, but it's, I used to work at a, lar- a larger space impact hub in Philadelphia. If I had like a develop, like a coding question, I could just get up and ask one of the coders at another company. Right. And so it was just like a really great community. We'd have beer, you know, there's a fridge full of beer. We'd hang out. So it's like having that company mindset but still working on your own grind and hustle which is awesome okay but now if i'm if i'm 20 something and i'm at home and i'm hearing about this fantastic co-working space where we're you know hanging out with uh ambitious people and drinking beer this sounds like well this is this is paradise this isn't work here this is this is college 2.0 where i'm getting paid now so but there there are the hardships let's not let's not you know, try and over, you know, sell people short about all the work that you do that goes into this there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, actually, just to be completely transparent, I am um, not renewing my lease for the hives coming. Is this breaking news? <laughs> it is. Oh, oh wow. no. Well, I hope, I hope this is only because there's bigger and better or tell me what's right. going on. What's going on? Yeah, no. Um, so my, my lease ends and I am not renewing it. Um, so I, you know, I, I, the Hive was such a whirlwind of a of an idea, and I really wanted to test it out and show Philadelphia what the community could be like. Um, and just so right now, I'm just I'm not renewing it. I'm not getting into a three, five, you know, ten year lease at the moment, um, and I'm not ready to take on investment either. Mm. Um, Co-working is hard just because it's 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 hard to scale the model, and it's hard to make profit if you have a limited amount of space and the memberships are too low. So it's, it's a very, um, tricky business. And also on top of that, it's a business where members don't usually sign up during the winter months or the summer months because they're out there on vacation or it's too cold to come out and work. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's a great concept and I'm not closing the door on the concept. I could open up a space in another city, uh, one day, but for the location we have now, it's very limited. We're 900 square feet. Um, I can only host about like eight to 10 people in the space. So I'm it, really just kind of, I'm going to take a step back and uh, see what else is to come. All right. Is that hard for you giving up on that idea? Because the excitement that you had seemingly when you talked about it, you know, the passion seemed to come through in your voice there. So how hard is that? <laughs> no, it's, I am such a free spirit. It's not hard for me at all. Um, I actually, my friend was like, you have commitment issues, not only in relationships, but with like businesses. And I was like, damn, you know me too well. Do you have, do you have song ADD as well? Like you play a song and this, oh, I love this song. Next one. I'm over. Next, yeah. um, <laughs> no, I mean, so I call myself an ideaholic. It's just, I have a new idea every day. So it's really hard to, um, you know, own in on one and kind of grow that idea. I just, it's like a blessing and a curse to have. Uh, to be an ideaholic is what I say, but no, I'm not, I'm not upset. I think it, it happened for a reason. And I mean, if the lease was, you know, going, continuing for another year, I'd I'd keep it, but it's an opportunity for me to take a step back and, um, really think of a more profitable and scalable model for a business. It's again, like what, like we chatted about earlier, it's not a failure. It's just a learning lesson for me when I start my next business, how can I make something that can grow where I can hire people, where I can make profit each month. So it's, it's just, I'm, I'm young enough where this is, this is fine. This is a little, a blip to start my career. Yeah. Very cool. 
Very cool for you there. So we wish you best of luck in whatever the next venture is there. Uh, um, thank you. Let's see. So you talked about the importance of, of building, a, of having a community there. I mean, how important is that for you in, in what you're doing on a regular basis? And how important would you say, you know, what would you recommend for other people about how they could go about finding that community? Because I think that's one of the biggest challenges is, I mean, I've got Kenton sitting across from me here yeah. and we've got each other, but sometimes finding those ambitious people who are maybe for lack of a better word, trapped in a nine-to-five job that see working nine-to-nine or nine-to-one a.m. a little bit too ambitious or too much for them. How, do you, how did you find your community, and do you have any recommendations for other people? Yeah, I mean, I started finding my community through the blogging that I did, and honestly, mm. Twitter is such a great tool. Um, I've met people uh, in Paris and other countries and cities because of Twitter, Um so, yeah, I mean, social media has been great for that. And finding a community and finding somewhere you belong is, is such a great feeling, especially if you're working for your own business um, or uh, starting a side gig or whatnot. I mean, just to, you realize that you're not you're not the only one out there going through this, like, situations and experiences, you know, especially when it comes to, like, client management or invoicing horror stories or... Um, pretty much anything. I mean, the stresses of starting your own business and, you know, finding people that can relate to that is just so therapeutic. So mm. I really say, you know, go to a lot. Of, I went to a lot of events early in my career. Um, and from there, I mean, you, you start to weed out people that, you know, you think will be beneficial in your life and you start to add in people that will be. So, you know, just, I'd say go to, go to local events, co-working spaces have a lot of events, um, if you follow social media or different sites that you admire, they host events sometimes and go, going out to those is a great place to meet other people that have the same interests. So yeah, community is great. And if you find people that believe in your mission and also want to help, that's like the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people that need to go out there and network, but just can't figure out how to They're I don't know if they're sheltered or they're just shy and they just, you know, don't know how to break bread, if you will, yeah. with a stranger. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah. I mean, I feel like people have this notion that networking is some, like, scary, like, torturous kind of, like, event that you have to go through. It's really you just get dressed, get outside, take an Uber to wherever you're going. You start – there's, like, free liquor usually. Um, <laughs> lubrication. That's a plus. Free lubrication. <laughs> yeah. We have so Merlot just, here. Yeah. <laughs> just eat, drink, and strike up a conversation, and that leads to – usually talking about what one another, you know, does during the day that usually leads to, oh, I have a friend that mm. also does this, or I know someone that, you know, you should meet. And so it's really should come naturally. Like, honestly, start small being like, hey, you know, <laughs> want to get a drink? I don't know. Like, what do you start with something that's very, uh, very in the now when you're at the event? Like, hey, what do you think of that speaker? Or, man, this appetizer is great. Something that's very, very um, obvious. And then the networking happens once you start to once you get past that like icebreaker phase um and you start to really you know dive deep into who who you are and who the other person is and like how you can be beneficial and i mean if the person's boring then like end the conversation find someone else but like how really do you end hard. that conversation kenton has a hard time with this <laughs> kenton's too nice I am too no nice. that's that's you know the flaws it's one of those things like oh what's your biggest flaw when in the interview kenton goes i'm too nice <laughs> How do you oh. end that conversation? No, yeah, no, I've, I've been there before. Um, typically, I try and 
keep my answers really short so that they're not, you know, we don't elaborate more on my answers or whatever. Keep them short and then be like, hey, I'm going to go get another drink. Don't follow me. I'll be me. back. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, and just like never show back. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to be careful because, you know, I've, I've been watching a lot of Aziz, Aziz Ansari with the master of none. I don't know if you've, yeah. you've seen any of that or his stand-up yep. comedy, but – but he talks about how how women have to be worried about mm. a guy following them all the way to their home. Like, what does he think is going to happen when he gets there? Right. So guys have that, I think, maybe a little bit more approach, maybe, whereas women, I don't think that's as, as common. Is that is that your actual experience in, in life, or, or do you find something different and that's just a joke that plays out there? I mean, I've never been followed home. Good. <laughs> Not that you know of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is taking um, a turn. We're going to get back on track in a second, I promise, Melissa. Yeah. No, oh, another thing about networking is to bring a friend and have like, yes. a, have, like, a sign. Be like, hey, come save me if I give you a wink across the room or something. You know, like, mm-hmm. so going with a friend, just one, is, is perfectly fine. And it makes it more fun. Um, and that goes for guys and girls, I'd imagine, you know. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, so then I want to go back for a second here to The Hive, um, just because we saw on, on all of your websites uh, just how much press you got when that launched there. Um, <laughs> yeah. what, what was it like dealing with the media from, I mean, Kenton and I both work, I work for uh, a TV station here in New York. Kenton works for a network TV station here. So what was it like being on the other side of that, the subject of those interviews there? It was batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, and I'm still getting press, which is awkward because I'm about to like say close up shop. <laughs> I'm gonna get even more press now. Um, and it, I don't know. It was it's very very overwhelming. Um, and I mean this is something that I've always wanted to is like be in the spotlight. So I'm like, I'm very very grateful for it. But at times, I mean, it's super overwhelming. I feel like I'm annoying the shit out of my Facebook friends by posting, like, here's me again, you know? Um, And I I just, there are times when I get just a ton of comments on something I post, and then people are like, you're killing it, like, keep it up, which is, it's so great to have that support, um, and it's what keeps me going, but it it really, times like that turn me into an introvert for some reason. Like, I, I get very, very... Uh, claustrophobic kind of because I'm like I don't know it's just I love it but I also get very shy about it at the same time and I get like my close friends know I'm super awkward and like uh, I'm pretty I want to be humble I consider myself pretty humble but like I'm humble about even saying that I'm humble. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> it's, so it's hard, it's hard in celebrating your success in there. It's hard in getting the recognition for the hard work you're putting in. Is that is that kind of the feeling you yeah, get? Yeah, it's, it's just for people to see you in this like big light is so it's especially when I, I consider myself like an underground freelancer. Like a year ago, I was just working out of my apartment and then to have an idea and have it blow up so quick. It, it's like every startup's dream and I'm so thankful for it. And I now know the power of like, you know, starting a business right and having the right connections and having a great idea. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting. Um, but also awkward. <laughs> but, yeah. So, so where's that come from? I mean, between the work ethic and the, and the being, you know, humble in, in those successes to keep you, I guess, hungry, I'm sure it's self-serving in that nature. Um, where, where's that come from for you? Do you know? Where's what come from? Just the one, the work ethic, and two, the oh. the remaining humble in those successes. 
I mean, I have always been like a hard worker when I wanted to be. I, I went through college just really not caring um, about academics at all. Um, but I was really focused on growing. I was in a sorority. I was really focused on growing the sorority. What sorority? And, um, it was called Kappa, It's called Kappa Phi Gamma. It's a small South Asian interest-based sorority. So uh, we're only at like a few schools. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not super big. It's not. But uh, yeah, so I was very busy growing that. And then I, I got onto the Multicultural Greek Council as president. I was really um, interested in spent a lot of my time growing that council full of like 11 or 12 other fraternities and sororities. So for me, it's always been a passion of mine to bring communities together, host awesome events. And, uh, you know, to do that, you need to work hard. So it's always been natural um, for me to work hard when I want to. And then about staying humble. I mean, if you get too full of yourself, it shows and it's such a turnoff. Like I've met people that, you know, I've been to the Forbes conference here in Philadelphia and people that I appreciate the most are the winners that you don't know are on the Forbes list until mm. like someone comes up to them and is like, congrats. And I was like, Oh, you didn't tell me that, you know, right. like in our conversation when we were networking that you were a winner. Like that's the best part is that you really get to see, um, a side of their personality. And I appreciate that more. Whereas other people are like, Oh yeah, I'm only here because I'm on the list or something like very, very, um, just not attractive to me is, is, yeah. is not humble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's way on the, so I, I have a comment. I have a saying I like to use. It's, it's probably stale at this point for those who know me, but it's, there's a fine line between confidence and cockiness Yeah. yeah. in itself. That's not so, you know, that's great. But then I usually add the part and I walk it very well. And if I can laugh at it, then it's a good thing. And maybe we get off, but some people think that that's too far on the other side of the line too, but it is what no, it is. <laughs> I agree. And I think for me, I've always been the underdog um, ever since I was, you know, in uh, elementary school, high school. I've always been the underdog. And I kind of, I love that because people think I'm super shy at first or whatnot. But then when I produce something based off of my own, you know, idea or ba- and create an event or a campaign or a series or something, they really get to see what I can achieve. And that's like the best feeling for me is when I can be like, booyah, like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's when <laughs> the Leo, that's when the Leo in you comes out, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in it. your face without actually have to rubbing your face in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. So on that note, I mean, you mentioned the Greek council and putting on those events and everything. Talk to me about the fearless conference. Is, is that the conference that you and your mentor kind of, uh, said, yes, we've both been wanting to do this. So funny story, that conference that my mentor and I agreed to was called FemCon. And by the time we wanted to like have it launch is when I started the Hive and she moved to a new um, office. So it just really fell off our plates of things to do. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but I've always wanted to host it. So that's why I created the Fearless. It was originally going to be a week of events, but that was way too ambitious for myself, I realized. So I made it a one-day conference um, and combined some of the features from each event into that one day. But yeah, the Fearless conference is something that I hosted this past November. And I was super worried. Everyone was worried. They're like, maybe you should postpone it. Not a lot of people have signed up. And I was like, I can't. I don't, I don't want to say that I'm postponing this conference. FemCon was already postponed like I need to host this conference Hmm. um and I did and it was a great it was a success like I had such a great time we had about 125 women come out over 50 
over 15 speakers. Um, we had some great sponsors that were involved, uh, and it was a really cool event. And I'm hoping to throw it in New York, actually. So I'm starting to research some New York venues and whatnot. Cool. Let us know if we can help you out with that along the oh, way. Oh, for sure. What do you for think sure. was the biggest takeaway from the people that attended? Um, for the people that attended, I think it was how honest the speakers were about starting their businesses. I mean, I've been to multi, like plenty of conferences where the ratio or just like the disparity between the where the audience members are currently and where the speakers are currently is like way too way too large. And so they're already at the top of the mountain talking to people who yeah, are at the exactly. bottom of the mountain. Exactly. So this conference I thought was super real. I mean, these are a lot of the speakers were friends of mine um, and they, you know, talked about their story and how it, you know, how they grew their business or, um, and they're they're very approachable people. They're not like, you know, fashion bloggers with a posse, um, and bodyguards or whatever. (laughs) Um, they were very approachable. Does that happen? Wait, does that, I'm sorry. Does that, is that, is that a thing? My guard is downstairs right now. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, but some fashion bloggers, I've been to conferences where you can't even like talk to them because there's just like groups of people waiting in line to say, to say hello. And I mean, it's, it's crazy, but yeah, this conference of mine was very, uh, like really, I thought very relatable and just very approachable for people. And that's, that's what I wanted to achieve. So I'm, I hope the audience felt the same way. That's great. Um, so now I guess along these lines here, that whether it helped you pull that off or start your own business, whatever the case may be at any point, what, is there a piece of advice that has stuck with you when it comes to your own business and, and the path that you're on now? Um, never use Comic Sans as a font. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a book? That's a good story there. (laughs) Uh, I think, is it? I feel like maybe I have seen something like that on Amazon, but, um, no, I guess the biggest piece of advice is to build your own network. And I really, really learned the, like what that meant this year, starting the hive is that I wouldn't have been able to start that without the help from my friends. A hundred percent. Um, I mean, I had friends help me like paint the space. Um, I've had my really good girlfriend who's just, she was also in my sorority, Nikki. She helped me for like six months pro bono with the hive. Um, and she, cause she just graduated. She didn't have a job and she came on under my wing. Um, and she was such a guiding light, uh, for me to kind of balance everything. So yeah, grow your network. Um, even with this conference, I realized a lot is, uh, a lot of it came through because of the connections I had with people and also just asking them for, for favors. I mean, you're going to want to ask a lot of favors and be able to return favors as well. So, you know, I'm very, very grateful for the people that helped me have been, have been helping me out these past okay. years. And uh, hopefully I can return the favor to them soon. Yeah. L- let me ask you that about networking, because I think so many people go into it with that mindset of what they need. How important is it to have that balance of thinking in the box of, well, maybe I can help you or maybe I know somebody who can help you and how that gets returned to you in in the long run. Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, especially the the busier, busier busier you get, the more you realize how much, how limited your time is. So when you network and someone's just draining your time and wanting to, you know, pick your brain, which is, I hate that phrase. Mm. Um, Great. I'll have to stop using that now. (laughs) 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 It's just, it, it's very one-sided. I mean, 
creating a business relationship or a friendship is, is very much give and take. And so being able to provide something, even if it's just listening, because a lot of times entrepreneurs need someone to listen to them. And for me specifically, if I could have someone listen to my crazy ideas and tell them, tell me if they're good or bad, that is so worth my time. And I'll be like, all right, here's a website. I owe you now. Like it's, it's, you know, it can be as little as that or as big as, Hey, um, let me, let me help you out with this service. Or I know someone that you need to hire, blah, blah. Like you just need to be able to give someone, um, as much as you can and be as loyal to them as possible as well. It's, it's very much like being in a relationship, but you know, if, if you want to grow and keep these, um, networking relationships for the long run, you need to be able to give and take. Is there somebody or something that inspires you right now, either something that you're watching or reading or somebody you're talking to that just really leaves you with some poignant things to think about that people can go and check out? Um, I mean, on the, on the real side, my niece, because she is full of so much truth because she's not affected by like... <laughs> How old is your niece? She's nine. So nine. when she tells... So I'll be like, hey, I got this business idea. And she's like nodding her head and listening. And it's just like the cutest thing ever. And she'll like, she'll give me pointers on business. She's like, so this is an idea for marketing. And I think it's like the most genuine thing ever. But um, she inspires me because she's nine right now. And I want her to be able to see like, you can have an untraditional career and you can be successful and you can help others. So that's, that's kind of my motivation. Um, But in terms of something right now i mean i've been reading a lot of business books i just started the four-hour work week yeah tim Um, ferris i'm a huge fan actually inspired us to start this oh nice congrats um and right now i'm just because i'm starting to go through a transitional phase with my career which i love i'm starting to do a lot of travel so I'm, i'm learning a lot about you know how to balance work and create um you know, a profitable career online. And really, so any resource that helps you with that is what I'm looking into. Awesome. Do you listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast? I don't, but oh, I you should have to. start. Highly yeah. recommend it. It's, it's yeah. really fantastic. I mean, he, he does great work all the way around. Um, but it, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, oh, Shark, Shark Tank also. Uh, I, I, Shark Tank and the Prophet. I love, I, we oh, saw yeah. one the other day where somebody who wasn't prepared in Shark Tank and uh, Mr. Wonderful there, Kevin O'Leary, was <laughs> talking about how it is, how it, every other person who goes in the Shark Tank would be thankful that she was there so that they could use her as an example to oh, see what not. it's like to get chewed up <laughs> in the Shark Tank. And I was like, <laughs> that is fantastic. It is nice yeah. that she has educated the masses on this one, but... So funny. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll be going on there one day. I don't know what product we're going to create, but we're working on it right now. Like you said, it's got to be able to scale. So, yeah. Um, is there anything that you use right now, be it a tool, like a, a website, an app, um, something that comes with networking or things like that, that has is really helpful right now that maybe other people can use, might not be too expensive or something like that to get in on? Um, honestly, again, social media, it's free yeah. and you get to be yourself. So get active on Twitter. Um, and I love reading. I, I like to go on Twitter late at night and just, just like say everything I want to say. Um, also, um, also be very, I, with social media, when it comes to social media, it's, it's, it's okay to be different on each platform. Um, and that's what I love. It's like how I see people are more, they might be more, you know, generic and have beautiful, beautiful visuals on Instagram, but on Twitter, they're just like cursing and saying how they feel and 
put giving out rants and stuff. So it's okay to like have different personalities on social media. Um, but other than that, I'm trying to think of a tool. I mean, <sighs> nothing that I can think of right now, but. All right. If something pops up, yeah. you let us know. <laughs> we like sharing things like the peaches thing. Maybe, maybe that'll be the next one that we all use. We, Kenton and I weren't familiar with that one yet. So Melissa, yeah. where can people find you? via social media um, so, or what, what do you prefer yeah uh people can find me on social media my handle is ring the alarm a-l-a-m and then you can also find me under feminine fortune and then the high philly so um i'm still going to be active on both uh i'll still be hosting events with the hive so it's not going to be a forever goodbye i'll just be doing pop-up events for women nice. um so yeah you can find me all over the internet just google it Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. And, and please do keep in touch. Let us know what, what goes on with that conference in New York. We really appreciate uh, you taking some time out to talk guys. to us. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. It's, it's been a pleasure. Shout out to your niece and nephew, your uh, future interns. <laughs> yeah, and, and also a shout out to Naeem Douglas for uh, yes. helping connect us here yes. because, like yes. you said, networking and connecting people, that's what it's all about. That's how it works. Oh, my so. gosh, for sure. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks, thanks so, so much. much. As always, for Broadcasting in Black and White, I'm Joe Masiri. I'm Kenton Young. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next time. Hey everybody, Joe Masiri here one more time. Just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode or any episode of Broadcasting in Black and White. As a reminder, you can head over to bibmedia.tv, that's B-I-B, media.tv. There we'll have some of the show notes from our conversation with Melissa, so you can check out some of the work that she's doing. And you can also find ways to contact her while you're there if you have an idea of somebody that we should talk to in the future, please let us know. We are always looking for new, cool people to talk to. And let us know what you think of the podcast while you're at it. We also appreciate it if you'd subscribe on iTunes. Just search for Broadcasting in Black and White and we should pop up. If not, let us know about it. But we really appreciate you listening no matter how you found us today. And tell a friend while you're at it. Until next time, everybody, I'm Joe Masiri. This is Broadcasting in Black and White brought to you by Bib Media. Born in Brooklyn, believe the hype. Take it easy, everyone.